seated. If you have a Bible with you, you can open to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2 and then verse 7 this morning. The text is also in the bulletin. Um, so we're in a series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, we're doing that up until Easter. I think the schedule uh, has it that um, Easter Sunday will be the last uh, of the series on the Ten Commandments. I have to try to figure out how to tie in the resurrection to, um, to that commandment, the Tenth Commandment. So um, uh, we took a break last week for the festivities uh, surrounding particularization, and I, I do want to take a chance to publicly thank everybody who was involved with that. I mean, it was a massive effort on the part of many people, so um, thank you if you were involved with that. And uh, Yeah, you did a great job. It was, it was a lot of fun. Everybody um, that I've heard attended said it was a blast, and I uh, loved all the food, and uh, it was it was very encouraging time, I think, for all of us. And it was good having a decent preacher for once, <laughs> I think. Um, uh, it was it was great having Charles here. As he said, um, we with particularization, with becoming an organized church and having our own elders and deacon and um, uh, officers, we uh, we hit a milestone, right? We hit a milestone with that uh, service, but we haven't arrived. Uh, we've only just gotten started, right? We've, we've only just become equipped um, to do what we're supposed to do, which is participate in God's own mission in the world, right? And the central effort of that mission is missions, right? It's evangelism. It's uh, proselytizing. Um, it's seeing our neighbors and the nations come to the Savior and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, right? That's the central uh, feature of the church's mission in this uh, in this world right now, and and that's so that's central to our purpose in the world. And I'm going to argue that it's actually central to the third commandment uh, this morning. So let's pray, and we'll read the scripture, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word, even though um, there's a natural resistance in us to even reading it, uh, let alone letting it drive deep into our hearts and transform us, um, we, we recognize that it is uh, very good for us. Um, and so we pray that uh, your spirit would come and, and overcome our resistance to your word, that your spirit would even come and, and cause us to love your word, to respond to it with faith, and to be changed by it into the likeness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So my guess is that if you're like me, uh, you read this commandment and you're thinking, Okay, no, no swearing or cursing using the name God or Jesus or Christ, right? That's kind of what we think when we read that commandment. Uh, and in a sense, that's actually fairly easy to do, isn't it? Um, I mean, the, the very first thing I did when I became a Christian was clean up my language and stop exclaiming using the divine name. In fact, um, that was how one of my best friends detected that I had become a Christian, <laughs> was the change in my language. It, it was a friend, some of you know my testimony, it, um, 
before I became a Christian, we had made a pact never to become Christians. And uh, so when I became a Christian, I wanted to hide it from him so that he wouldn't think worse of me for breaking our pact. It was a, it was a good vow to break. Um, uh, but I couldn't hide it from him. And he figured it out one day. I was like, well, how'd you guess that? He's like, well, you talk different. <laughs> you talk funny now. Uh, you, you know, you don't, you don't swear um, by saying God or Christ anymore. So, uh, <clears throat> and, and I think um, you've probably heard a lot of stories. I mean, you know, that's a fairly common testimony in someone who becomes a Christian. Um, <clears throat> in fact, I know some of you have the same story. And, and that's probably a good thing, Right? Um, but if you ask anyone who exclaims, who vents their frustration by saying God or Jesus, um, you know, they'll probably tell you that they don't mean anything by it. Right? Do it without thinking. It's just kind of natural, automatic. Um, but that's exactly what God is forbidding here, isn't it? It's the vain. Uh, that word vain can be translated empty or flippant. Uh, vacuous, casual use of his name, right? That's, the, uh, that's exactly what God is forbidding here. In a sense, he's saying, if you're going to use my name, you better take it seriously. Because it has meaning. Don't just throw it around meaninglessly. right? So it's probably a good thing that we train ourselves to, uh, to not do that anymore. Never mind that we're, in a lot of circumstances, just training ourselves to trade, oh my God, for oh my gosh, or golly, or Jesus for G, right? Um, and that those exclamations are usually just kind of subconscious expressions of frustrations with divine providence, the way God has worked out my circumstances, I don't like, so I'm going to exclaim, right? <clears throat> but anyway, it is good um, that we stop swearing using God's name. But that is nowhere near the full significance of this commandment, of the third commandment. If it were, then uh, just a couple months of retraining old habits would do the trick, and we could actually check one of the Ten Commandments off of our list, right? Um, That'd be nice. Uh, To be sure, much of our life before God is expressed through language, and this commandment has to do with language. But it runs deeper than that. Um, just like all the other commandments, it goes deeper than just language. It addresses our hearts. And so 16th century uh, French reformer John Calvin summarized it this way. He summarized the third commandment. He says, this, uh, the purpose of this commandment is God wills that we hallow the majesty of his name. Therefore, it means in brief that we are not to profane his name by treating it contemptuously and irre- irreverently. <clears throat> So, in brief, it's about not treating God's name with contempt or irreverence, but the driving purpose of it is that we hallow the majesty of his name. And it's a phrase that's actually strongly reminiscent of the the first petition of the the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. It's a prayer. Um, So we are to consider his name holy. That's what hallowed means, that we would consider it Holy, uh, we're to treat it with reverence and awe. We're to esteem and honor and value and and worship His name. And uh, just a side note: then worship is is kind of a common theme to these first four of the Ten Commandments. So, 
So far, um, I guess we haven't really seen how this is supposed to connect to missions, evangelism, right? Uh, we can see pretty easily how not taking God's name in vain um, means not using it in profane ways, you know, even that it's a heart and a worship issue, but how does that translate into missions? How does that translate into evangelism? It's actually right there in the language of the commandment. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It, so it doesn't say, you shall not treat God in a vain way, in a casual way. Right? It, it does not say, you shall not treat God in a casual way, though it certainly implies that. Right? In fact, even though it implies it, it doesn't even say that you shall not speak the name of God in vain. That's not what it says. It says you shall not take his name in vain. <clears throat> and um, the word take here in Hebrew means bear, carry, uh, lift up, right? Um, as in I'm taking the kids to the store. Right? That's, that's how that word take is being used. Uh, Psalm 24 uses the same language. Psalm 24 Verses 3 and 4 said, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up, take his soul to what is false or vain, which is the same word again that's in the third commandment. So the same language is used there, probably with reference to the third commandment, to give the image of someone who is bearing or carrying his soul as an offering. And uh, so when God says, you shall not take my name in vain, he's saying that we should not carry it, uh, carry it forth, bring it with us in a meaningless or empty way. And here's the other important uh, piece of language that we need to understand in that, um, in that verse. Is that he's talking about his name, right? He doesn't say you should not treat God, his person, immediately and directly in a casual way. He doesn't say, uh, in a sense, you shall not fail to take me seriously, but you shall take my name seriously. Uh, so what's the significance of that? Um, what, what is a name? Uh, here's a real simple dictionary definition. The name is a word by which someone is known addressed or referred to. So a name is really simply, a, it's a part of language that uh, symbolizes or represents a person. So the purpose of a name is to communicate. It's to introduce. It's even to disclose a person. Right? Um, and that's why you tell people your name when you meet them. Uh, you're introducing yourself. Right? You're not using language in some abstract way. You're introducing yourself for some kind of relationship with them. Right? Even if it's a you know, very distant relationship, you're still introducing yourself for that person to get to know. And in the scriptures, <clears throat> a name is usually reflective of a person's character, who he or she uh, really is, or maybe who uh, his or her parents hope them to be. Right? Um, the name is linked to the reputation of a person, right, who uh, he or she is known to be by others. And our names are very important to us. They're not just mere words. We actually open ourselves up 
to others by sharing our names with them. And sometimes we trust others with our names, and sometimes we don't trust them with our names, right? Um, So I'm not saying that there's anything magical about names, but there's something, right? A, A name is connected to who we are in some sense. How do you feel when someone with whom you have a relationship forgets your name? Maybe a bit slighted, right? They didn't just forget a word. They forgot something important about you. Or how do you feel when your lover whispers your name in your ear? Vulnerability and intimacy, right? A thrill, right? Um, These things are true because our names are representative of us, and they have extreme significance relationally. Um, And the Bible says that we're made in God's image, which is to say, at least in part, that we communicate ourselves to each other and we know each other in relationships. And a big part of the self-disclosure of who we really are, of our identity, uh, is in our names. Even if our names don't mean something in some archaic language, like beautiful one or something like that, right? It's... Um, the name is is valuable to us relationally. <clears throat> so I give my name when I introduce myself to you in order to be known by you. And um, uh, you know, otherwise, why even have a name? So <clears throat> here's the amazing thing, is that God, who is the high and exalted one, transcendent and beyond searching out, the one whose holiness utterly repulses our sin, he discloses himself to us. He makes himself known to us, and he gives us his name, and he actually lets us call him by it. So John Frame, there's a quote in the beginning of the bulletin for you that um, is printed there. John Frame says, um, Remarkably, in Scripture, God does share his name with his people. And this fact underscores the fundamentally personal character of our relationship with the supreme being. A former student pointed out to me that in Confucian societies, so Eastern societies, one may not call a superior by his name, only by a title. In the West, that principle exists in military discipline. Yes, sir. And in other areas, such as the use of majesty and highness in royal etiquette. Fathers and mothers also, for good reasons, discourage their children from addressing them by name. These facts underscore the greatness of the privilege we have of addressing God by his personal name, Yahweh, and by the name Jesus. His name communicates who he is to us for our relationship with him. And even though there is a serious gap, a serious chasm between who he is and who we are, Uh, Nonetheless, he desires to be known by us. And he gives us his name, Yahweh. In fact, he's given us an even more intimate and personal name by which we can know him, who he is, know who he is, and know what he's like, and that name is Jesus. Jesus is the name of God. He is the exact and full disclosure of God. Jesus is God introducing himself to the world for our relationship with him. In Jesus, we truly see God, and if we know him, then we know God. Right? If we call upon his name, uh, 
what we know about him because he's disclosed it to us. If we call upon his name, then we'll be saved, the promise is. And in Acts chapter 4, it says, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So we are invited to know God on a personal, intimate, first-name basis. And so what he's saying in the third commandment is, I am the kind of God who makes himself known to people like you, who discloses himself through the giving of his name, his personal covenant name. So when you take that name with you into the world, honor it. Honor it. Um, so the Westminster Larger Catechism, question 112, there's, there's a lot more than 112 questions in our catechism. Um, they're fun to read once. So um, if you get to 112, you'll read this about the third commandment, that it requires the name of God, his titles, attributes, ordinances, the word, sacraments, prayer, oaths, Vows, lots, his works, and whatsoever else there is whereby he makes himself known, be holily and reverently used in thought, meditation, word, and writing by a holy profession and answerable conversation to the glory of God and the good of ourselves and others. So, in order to truly honor God's name, as we're called to do in the third commandment, to honor his name and whatever else reveals him, then we must honor the purpose of his giving his name, which is to make himself known for relationship, for love. Right? That's the purpose of his giving his name, which means if we're going to take his name seriously, then his name will be on our lips. Right? We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to introduce people to God through him, through his name. We're going to worship him by exalting his name, by taking his name to our neighborhoods and to the nations. And unfortunately, this is something that we are um, reluctant to do. We're reluctant to honor his name by taking it to our neighbors and to the nations. Instead, we're more likely to actually use his good name, his good reputation for our own benefit. Um, for our own advantage. Brian Friesen pointed this out uh, to me in, in one of our sermon discussions a few months ago. <clears throat> and um, he says, we, we name drop. We try to use God's reputation to get ahead or to get ourselves out of trouble, as the case may be. I remember um, one time getting pulled over by a police officer. Uh, this was a long, long time ago. I don't get pulled over by police officers anymore. Uh, for speeding, right? Uh, pulled over for speeding. And... Um, as usual, he asked me what the hurry was, and uh, I felt a strong temptation to say, well, I'm on my way to work, I'm a pastor, I work in a church, I'm on my way to the office there. Um, so I'd gotten myself into trouble through my own fault, right? And, uh, and rather than suffer the consequences of that, I would use God, I would use his church, I would use my office to escape trouble. So that is an example of using God's name in vain, isn't it? Using his reputation, using his good name to uh, somehow offset 
the, the breaking of the law that I had committed. Right? To somehow win this officer's respect in a way that would cause him to not write me a ticket. So that's using God's name in a selfish way, in a vain way. Or we've all seen this a lot when people um, name their business, you know, Trinity Janitorial Services, or maybe more appropriately here, Trinity Microchips, right? Um, uh, or maybe they, they slap a fish symbol on their business cards. Right? What are they doing? Um, they're using the capital of God's name, God's reputation, to get more business, or to get better business, maybe. The right people are going to come seek me out if I have the fish symbol on my credit card. The kind of people you want to do business with. Right? Um, so that's probably taking God's name in vain. Uh, or maybe, um, maybe you meet someone new who, for some reason, seems a little suspicious of you, distrustful, and you say, it's okay, you can trust me, I'm a Christian. Right? Uh, Logically speaking, that makes no sense at all. In fact, I'm a Christian because I distrust myself. Right? Uh, Just so you know, in case you weren't aware, Christian is not synonymous for trustworthy good person. (laughs) Right? Um, A Christian is someone who trusts Christ to cover our sins, which are many. But we want people to think well of us, to trust us. Right? It makes things easier. Greases the skids in the relationships. Right? Um, so we go for the heavy artillery, we drop Christ's name in our conversation, hoping that it will have some sway over their view of us. So what's really happening when we do things like that is that we're telling people we represent God. We represent God, and so we better actually be representing him when we say that. Uh, promoting the good of his reputation as he has made himself known for relationships, right? Uh, We'd better not just be using his name to open doors for ourselves or to cover up our greed or our pride or other sins. His good name is worth more than your business. His good name is worth more than your money. His good reputation is worth more than your reputation, more than your success, right? Um, We have to care for God's reputation, for his name, his becoming known as he has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. We have to care for that more than we care for our own reputation. And that is not natural for us, right? Because we are sinners, which means we're self-glorifying. We're self-seeking, self-promoting, and we're just utterly broken and lost in that. Um, But we come to take his name, not in vain, but in true esteem, and true honor, when we come to know God more deeply, as he has revealed himself, when we come to know him more deeply, and when we come to grips more with who he is and how he has made himself known. And though you could never deserve it, God has placed his name upon you in love. In his grace, God entrusts his name to people like you and me. In spite of ourselves, he discloses himself to us for our relationship And he calls us to bear his name in the world for his glory anyway. Even though we can never deserve that privilege. He sent his son Jesus to bear his good name in the world, which he did perfectly. Jesus was the perfect reputation of God among men and women. And he sent Jesus to take your reputation in God's sight as a sinner 
upon himself and to bear all the punishment for it at the cross. And then to place his reputation as the righteous one on you so that when God looks at you, he sees a perfect representation of himself. His name is set upon you. You have taken his name in vain, and God does not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain, but he holds you guiltless because Jesus has taken the punishment you deserve and he has given you the good name that only he deserves. So uh, that happens at your baptism, which is a, a naming ceremony, right? Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right? So you are brought into the family of God, given his very name as your own, the one name of the triune God of love and relationships. And as a son carries his father's, father's name, as a bride carries her groom's name, so you carry the name of God who has set his love upon you freely. God is the God who blesses his people by placing his name upon them, which they then bear and carry and take into the world as his representatives. And we, re- we actually remember this in our uh, benediction, which we uh, frequently have at the end of the service, Numbers chapter 6. God, the Lord Yahweh, spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, who are the priests, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So God looks upon us with favor we don't deserve. He makes himself known to us through uh, Jesus Christ. And as those who now bear his name, who take his name and his favor with us wherever we go, we participate then in introducing the world to him and speaking the name of God for a relationship. If we really believe that God's name is Jesus, that God discloses himself perfectly to us in Jesus Christ, then we have to make him known in a, in a way that reflects Jesus, in a deliberately Christian way. That is, with joy and love, with compassion and justice and service. Because that's who God has revealed himself to be. And our testimony about him needs to reflect him. So we don't just uh, <clears throat> spend money on kind of impersonal evangelistic tools that we hand out to strangers. We don't just do that. We spend time, and we open our homes, and we get to know people who aren't Christians yet, and we let ourselves be truly known by them in imitation of our Father who is in heaven. God is a God who desires to be known by his name, so if we really know him, then we go out for the sake of the name. Right? And we take good care of our brothers, missionaries, who go out for the sake of the name, as it says in Third John, which was our New Testament reading. How often do you get a New Testament reading from Third John? <laughs> right? um, but we want to introduce people to God through Jesus because he has introduced himself to us, and it's been for our good. And so that's how we keep the third commandment. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, we do pray that you would change us into the kind of people who represent you better, who take your name seriously, because we have um, just benefited so much from you giving your name to us, from you disclosing yourself to us for our relationship with you and making it possible that we would be able to call upon your name for salvation, and that you have placed it upon us in love through our baptism and through many blessings. We, we pray that your name would not be taken by us um, in a vain way, but that we would honor it and honor the purpose for which you gave it and, and bear it forth into the world in proclamation of who you are and what you've done for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his name that we pray. Amen.